Galaxy Forum. I'm your host, Melissa Kaplan, and we're here to explore the creativity happening in the LCC Galaxy, in our classrooms and on campus, and connecting the work of our stars with our community. Today we're talking about visual arts and arts education, and I'm delighted to welcome my guests, Susan McGinnis-Hardy and Barbara Whitney. Thank you both for being here. Thank you, Melissa. Thank you for having us. We're delighted. Absolutely. Um, Before we get into our discussion, I want to share a little bit of background about each of you. Uh, Susan teaches foundational arts in LCC's art and design program. She's a professional artist and illustrator and has multiple clients as well as private commissions. She received her BFA from the Art Center College of Design in Pasadena, California, and her master's from the Graduate Theological Union in Berkeley, California, with a focus on art and religion. She also served as their Director of Admissions and Recruitment for six years, taught online for the Art Institute of Pittsburgh, and has previously taught elementary school for 10 years. On her website, she shares, and I I love this, so I have to quote it, Mm -hmm. in her vocation as an artist and an art educator, Susan finds her mind, her hand, and her spirit at work together. Thanks, Susan. (laughs) Thank you. I love that. It is. It's wonderful. It really is. And and like Susan, Barb is a professional artist. Her non-objective work is rooted in her interest in emotions, perceptions, and the passage of time. She's executive director of the Lansing Art Gallery and Education Center. And I'm going to steal just a little bit from her gallery bio for a moment because it's. I think it's just so perfectly stated. Barb Whitney is a champion for access and equity in the arts engaging stakeholders regarding the arts and arts education locally, statewide, and nationally. Barb earned a BA in Art and Art History from Kalamazoo College and an MA in Arts Administration from the University of Michigan Flint with research and subsequent work on equity in arts education. Barb is on the faculty at Michigan State University with a residential college in the Arts and Humanities and the Arts and Cultural Management Program. So glad you're here, Barb. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, welcome. Welcome to you both. Um, this is, uh, with so much art on campus and, and you know, the abundance of it uh, really blooming in our community, um, I think it's a great time to be talking about the creative work that's happening in our classrooms and, and classrooms at, at MSU. And I want to start a little bit, uh, Susan, by talking about LCC's art and design program. I know we offer a number of degrees and certificates, like in graphic communication, web and graphic design, studio art and art foundation. And it's the common foundational courses that's your focus, correct? Correct, yes. So tell us a little bit about the art foundation that LCC students receive, whatever specialization they may ultimately choose. Correct. Um, no matter what degree program the student wants to enter, whether they want to transfer or do the foundation, or if they want to go and get certificates, all of the students have a certain set courses that they take, um, and that varies slightly with program. But the main course that all students have to take is um, what's called our design and communication. It is visual communications. And in another school, they may call it just basic design. So the students learn the principles and elements of design and how to apply those to any art piece um, that the students are doing, whether it is pure design, abstract work, figurative work, whether they want to go into animation or character design, um, 
etc. All of these principles and elements apply. Unity, emphasis, we have line shape, all those kind of color. basic color. And then we do have a separate course that the students take in color and design. And then we go into the other stu- course that all students take is basic design, which is, I mean, sorry, basic drawing. It's observational drawing. So in that course, the students are learning how to see because really drawing is about um, your perception and understanding what you see and being able to translate that to your, to what you want to do. Um, we start yeah. observation. Oh, sorry. Oh, I thought somebody said something. I was just emphasizing. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I'm very excited. Okay. All right. I'm excited about the, yes. the principles and the elements and the basic drawing because I feel like that's such an important foundation for any kind of communication. Yes. But especially for visual arts students. Right, right. And so that... You know, that class, students come in at all levels. And that's what I tell my students when they come in. Don't feel intimidated that, you know, the person sitting next to you is so much better than you. So that's not the case. I think the students come in and they learn and they learn how to see and they learn how to draw. We also, you know, teach media in that class, mostly black and white um, media and then um, and no color actually in in drawing one. And then the other um basic course, I don't teach this course, but it's um, structural analysis, which is 3D design. So we're learning how to build things and and think and and actually make dimensionally, three-dimensional objects. What might that be? Well, um, they're usually project-based, and so they learn how to, I don't teach the course, but they learn how to use, for example, wire and use that to create something three-dimensionally goodness, because I don't teach the class. I don't have the curriculum. But that right gives hand, me an but, idea. Yeah. 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 But any, you know, it's, it's, it's sculptural, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. not sculpture in the sense of clay so much as object making and often using found objects as well. So I'm curious, do students come in, you know, teaching a foundation with a foundation course, not necess- they may not necessarily be majors. And when you talk about teaching students to see I mean, we think of that as something that's just so fundamental. You kind of take it for granted. You don't think, oh, I need an art class in order to see. And Barb, I'm thinking about a conversation we had recently in which you shared that it wasn't until you took some drawing and art class that the world opened up for you in a totally different way and you had to pursue art. And yeah. can you talk a little bit about that, Barb? And then, Susan, I'm interested, is that an experience you have with, with some of our students too? Oh, okay. Yes, the basic drawing class I took at Kalamazoo College through Tom Rice completely transformed my life. It helped me to know this was the career path I wanted to follow. And because luckily I also surprisingly excelled at it, but hadn't had any coursework and really in the visual art to that point, I didn't know that. Um, And I had been seeking a potential career in the performing arts and took basic drawing as a theater credit, actually. (laughs) So I loved it and uh, was mesmerized and wanted to take every single class I could and pursue at whatever length, at whatever cost, every opportunity to make and to eventually to teach as well. What a thrilling experience. Yeah, Yeah. Susan, do you see that discovery uh, among some of your students? Uh, I think, you know, it depends... You know, a lot of students are coming right out of high school, and some of them have had a background in in art and others not so much, or some have just developed on their own as well. 
And so there is that, I think they enjoy what they're doing when they're in the classroom. And it's a studio class, so we're, we're drawing in the classroom. The other class that I do teach that kind of develops drawing too, and it takes the student from drawing one, which is observational, to more imaginative drawing. And imaginative in the sense it has two parts to it, really. One is very convergent, and the other one's very divergent. Hmm. But um, we, they learn perspective in the class. So it's not observational drawing, but they learn uh, linear perspective, which is very almost mathematical sometimes. But then I have them all do a sketchbook on a theme. That's what we were working on today, that they just they choose this theme. And it has to be broad enough so they can go in a lot of different directions with it. And then I say, okay, think back to your passion. Why did you come to begin with? What started you into art? What took you down this path? And I say, connect to that. And I have them look at many, many themes because the New York City sketchbook project is where I got the idea. It's been around for years. And so they look at themes and they try to decide which direction they want to go. And with that, it's called, I. it's really idea generating, you know, mm-hmm. because, you know, I think there's like three things that I think are really important for a foundation is drawing skills, design skills, as you said, Barb, and then concept development. And you really need all three to be a strong artist, I believe. And so those foundation courses are getting that. But it was interesting because when um, we went ORT for a few semesters, my classes are now face-to-face. And ORT is online real-time for listeners who may not know. That means (laughs) that you have both an online component to a course as well as a virtually delivered, like whether it's through Zoom or WebEx piece where the the instructor, the faculty member, and the students all meet that way, but not in person, not in the classroom. Okay, go ahead, Susan. So the sketchbook project took off that semester. And I was thinking, why did this happen? Because they're all sitting at home. Wow. You know, and they, you know, it was the beginning. It was March and through the summer and the fall. The ideas that were developed and what I really talk to my students now about is like, just really look at your passion. What drives you as an artist? What brought you to this point? And try to connect that because this sketchbook project is all yours. And at the end, they have a project on a theme and that's separate from the very linear perspective that we're doing in class as well. And then I teach figure, so figure drawing. That's that's wonderful to encourage them to connect that with their passion because, you know, I, knowing both of you and knowing how passionate you are as artists and as as educators, it can be lost along the way sometimes mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. the struggle. I mean, and one would hope that whatever career path anybody chooses that there's passion for that but when you think about the arts you also I think of passion as being you know part of what gets you through times that uh, where you may not be necessarily working in the arts but you still have that that passion for it um Barbara I want to ask you for a minute turn to to what you teach at uh Michigan State University in the arts. I know it's it's on the organizational administration side. Tell us a little bit about that, please. Yes, I teach in the Arts and Cultural Management and Museum Studies program. And so much of what we were already discussing today relates to what I do in the classroom there as well. It's a, currently I'm teaching an advocacy and policy class. And it, similarly, I talk with students about rediscovering their why and Mm -hmm. looking at critical moments in their life where they felt the most themselves or the most inspired. 
to help them tell their advocacy story as nonprofit arts and cultural administrators, because we really do have to tell our stories in order to engage people in our work, whether that's legislators <laughs> or whether that it could be municipal leaders, but it also could just be friends and family, people who we want to introduce to the conceptual framework of why the arts matters or why a museum is a safe space for you and your family. So it ranges quite a bit in terms of where students come from, but ultimately the advocacy story is around your passion and helping people understand what has brought you to that space as well. I was also thinking while we were talking about that skills building piece around the visual arts Mm -hmm. and in the arts, I think in general, in any given discipline, there is a skills building element of that work, just like there is in communications. So when we learn to make letters as children, as very young children, hopefully, right? And then to read and to write, we're building our skills. And then if we look into creative wordplay or poetry or otherwise thinking about the literary art as a creative outlet for self-exploration and for innovation, we can look at any of our arts disciplines in a similar way as well. Absolutely. That is a, that's a great point. Yes. I like the, the idea of the why. I think that's really important and getting, um, but then the skills are necessary. I mean, you really have to have the skills, um, the skill base as well. So balance is really mm-hmm. needed. And that's part of why it's so important, I think, to fight for the arts in children's lives. Let's talk a little bit about your research that you actually started when you were working on your master's degree. Uh, your thesis was about equity in arts education, and you did work with the American for the Arts organization. And I know you continue to advocate. And so I'm interested, you know, let want to learn a little bit about that research and then how that continues to play out for you. Oh, thank you for the opportunity to share about about that. The research warrants conversation, for sure, in terms of why the arts matters in children's lives. And when I went back to school as a non-traditional learner (laughs) and decided to get my master's in my late 30s and early 40s. And I had just, (laughs) thank you. So did I. (laughs) I just accepted the the position of executive director for the gallery at the same time as returning to graduate school. So kudos and thanks to my board of directors for taking that big leap with me, which ended up catapulting us to a national stage in terms of some of our work. Fantastic. But the Americans for the Arts project was related to isolating and creating a gap analysis around arts education. So seeking conversations from stakeholders from all across the country, arts education leaders in every state in D.C., and hearing the successes and the barriers to success for children in their states. So while we shared the information in aggregate, I would say I had the distinct pleasure of meeting colleagues in arts education from across the country and having sometimes hour-long interviews with them. I had, it was just an absolute pleasure and honor to have their confidence and to learn about the barriers as well as the successes. So we learned that advocacy efforts really do work 
and that when we tell stories of student success in the arts, it makes a difference in people believing in the value. It seems like maybe a no-brainer, <laughs> but um, we heard it over and over in different interviews that telling those stories is critical for getting funding in states for arts education, in policy, in um, helping students get access K-12 to the arts, and just foundational to the way children learn. It's a way that we can think holistically and help them best be themselves in the classroom or now virtually as well. So how is this work continuing? How is it uh, being used? Because I it, it's never ending. If you stop talking and stop telling those stories, somebody else steps in with their stories and, and you know, is angling for that fund. I mean, angling is probably the wrong word, but, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of competition and there's a lot of essential needs. And uh, mm-hmm. how, how is this continuing? It's a complex system at the legislative level and more complex than I ever realized. You know, we all watch that when a bill becomes to a, uh, becomes a law video. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you were little. <laughs> yes. Was that oh. from it's Schoolhouse cool. Rock? Rock? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I almost could sing it, but I'm not yes. going to. <laughs> because the music helps you remember. Yeah, right? that's true. That's true. So, so at, I, you know, it looks like in some cases the real hard advocacy at the Capitol on the Hill. We have our Americans the Arts leading that charge at a national level. Statewide, we work with the Cultural Advocacy Network, and I consult with the Michigan Arts Education Instruction Assessment Group as well to help kids get access to the arts in schools and to help teachers have the resources they need to implement that as well. And what you said about stories is so absolutely powerful because we can talk in generalities and we can talk about processes, but until you show what this means to an individual and how it's changed their life. Susan, I'm wondering, I know you taught elementary school for 10 years. You taught mm-hmm. on in South Dakota on an Indian reservation, yes. um, and you taught in Colorado as well in a, was that a Air Force school? The Air I Force think. Academy, it was just the, it was the public school yeah. for that area of Colorado Springs. How were the arts handled for those students? Were they available? Did you, you know, what was your experience with those young children? Mm-hmm. Well, I can speak mostly from the reservation because I was seven years there and I, you know, I had, I was very young and I had never been west of Chicago. So I went out there and I said, well, I can do anything for a year. I just, the culture is so beautiful and there are so many tragic things about things out there as well. But what I found is, you know, I had learned all the things about being a teacher. It was my first year teaching. But I kind of threw a lot of things out the window because the learning, the the way that students learn, the learning styles, the um, strengths that they had were much more visual and auditory. And I felt like the more I could integrate the arts and activities that involved, you know, the arts into the classroom, the more engaged they were and the more they were able to. I did a project where they they interviewed people all over the town and they wrote a history of their town talking to the different people and then they illustrated that and yeah I just that's why I that's why I felt like I can't just teach by the book here this I have to like shift gears and my artistic side creative side had to come out because that's how I was going to reach those kids 
and beautiful, beautiful work that they could do, the visuals. And I, I took classes in Lakota arts and culture and tried to learn what it was like there, but very, very artistically talented on the reservation. That's a powerful story. That's a powerful example, uh, Barb, of what you're you're talking about as well. And I know you and, and the organizations, Barb, that you're working with are, are working at a policy level. Do you see change? Do you see the impact of this in, for example, our local Lansing, greater Lansing area schools? Do you see a, a change toward arts integration and arts education? I know for a while there it was, I mean, a lot of things were cut and Mm -hmm. the arts were largely cut. Has that improved? Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of opportunity there in the local schools and to look at statewide, like you said, policy and practice, examining where we can make a difference from a legislative standpoint. And then also, you know, working with a local community agency with Lansing Art Gallery and Education Center, we see a lot of opportunity to work with the schools and teaching artists to um, help with needs for supplies and eventually when it's safe again, to bring children into our facility as a their space as a community art and cultural institution so that they have that resonant moment where they feel it's for them and they share that with their networks as well. When we used to bring children in, for the early start, was they called it late start Wednesdays, but it was early start for us. <laughs> <laughs> and we, we had early start Wednesdays at the gallery. And those children from the district, they absolutely loved those moments. And they became part of our agency in an entirely different way, where toward the end, when they had their art show, they were running in literally although <laughs> yes, we don't that's promote wonderful. that um, yeah. <laughs> the, the running part we don't promote but the um, the enthusiasm we do and they would say to their families this is my show Aww. this is my art oh, this nice. is my stage um, and so mm-hmm. they felt like they had about their own work and they related in the same way to our professional artists and the artwork we were showcasing there as well so that's an ideal situation where we felt like we were really making a difference what a wonderful thing that's been created. I know Lansing Art Gallery has, uh, an education center has has really blossomed with that, uh, the expansion of the education programming. And to hear about that, that's just, that's so moving. I want to circle back to our students. I mean, not only our students at Lansing Community College, but students in general. But yeah, students who are in a two-year program, how both in general, what kind of opportunities are there when they they complete their work here? But how might they get involved in this kind of arts education, advocacy, whether it's hands-on in in a facility such as yours, Barb, or are there other opportunities? Because I'm thinking that could be a real viable path or something to really enrich them while they're they're here at LCC. Well, certainly. Yeah. Oops, sorry. Our (laughs) programs are... Go ahead. um, Yep, that's fine. Um, Our programs are, some of the students are planning to transfer and to go to four-year schools. Others are coming out and they're trained as graphic designers and that's what they are finding work in um, locally. Some want to freelance. You know, a few of our students come and they do this as a, not a minor because we don't have minors, but to just kind of for their own personal enrichment as well. I do teach another class every other spring called Art for the Elementary School Teacher. And I really, really try to enforce to these 
up-and-coming teachers who are finding all of the things and requirements that they need to bring into the classroom, you know, from the various uh, disciplines to integrate the arts into everything they do. And there's a way to do that. So I structure that class so that they do lesson plans and, and do projects that could be incorporated into social studies or to science or even math, um, literature, of course, very easily incorporated. But my point is that it doesn't have to be left for the art classroom. Right. And you're getting skills here because I try to teach them the basics, you know, the similar things in a different level and, and to open their minds because they're the teachers, the future teachers, you know, to what the art world is. Because some of them are very, they don't have that much experience with art world. So. Yes, I, so essential to, and this is what you were talking about too, Barb, to the value of the arts for teachers, for, for people in, in any field to, to look at it not as, uh, not only as something that you do on the weekends or you buy a ticket to once in a while and see a show, mm-hmm. but that there's, you know, this is something that enables people to really critically engage with society and make a difference in their community that, that it, it, you know, yeah, it has an economic development impact as well, but that it's for just the ability to live a good life where you're able to express Mm -hmm. and communicate with others. I think that's so valuable to integrate that, you know, we're just going to have a couple more minutes and I, I want to, Barb, I want to ask you about the Lansing Art Gallery and, and let you talk for a minute about some of the changes that are happening, particularly in, in location this mm-hmm. year and what that means for the gallery and the education center. Yeah, we've moved. It's um, happened. We are in the Knapp building. We're on the corner of Washington and Washtenaw, right downtown in the heart of the city. So we're just similarly a couple of blocks from the Capitol and a couple of blocks from Lansing Community College and the students there. Some of the ways we've seen students engage in the past is they come in as special assignments for classes and are essentially doing a scavenger hunt of sorts, I think. So that's always really fun. Sometimes we talk with student reporters as well around the work that we do. And sometimes we have interns from Lansing Community College as part of our work. So those are some of the ways we've seen students engage in the past. But I think it's maybe most important to think about that we're free and open to the public and we welcome anyone anytime from a community-based standpoint you know we're a community agency we we are responsible to our community um and so we are always making that call like please come visit enjoy the art make art and be part of our organization in whatever way feels right for you we're lucky to have the Lansing Art Gallery and Education Center in, in our community. Yeah, and so close. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. I think we could keep talking. I know I would love to hear about your individual artwork, but I think we're going to have to have another conversation because we are <laughs> out of time. This has been a great discussion. Thank you, Susan and Barb. What a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you very much for You're welcome. Us. Thank you. And thank you, listeners, for listening. If you'd like to connect with Susan and Barb, visit our LCC Connect website at lccconnect.org. You'll also find past episodes of this show and other LCC Connect programming that you may listen to on demand. Special thanks to our producer today, Dedalian Lowry. 
and to Andy Callis for composing our theme music. I'm Melissa Kaplan, and this is Galaxy Forum on LCC Connect. Thank you.